There it is. Good morning, everyone. Hey, uh, if you're in the room, stand up. We're glad that you joined us online. We're going to sing to the Lord. I love this song. We can proclaim that we were dead in sin, but now we have life. So let's sing it together. Run for cover, but the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection power. Yes, I do. Still the miracle that I just can't get over. Yeah, my praise belongs to you forever. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Sons and daughters, bought with blood and washing water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Yes, our God will finish what He started. Oh, this is my testimony from death to life. Cause Christ wrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony This is my testimony Done. Greater things are still to come. I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. Oh, greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. You're not done. You're not. Greater things are still to come. testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified this is my testimony now I'm alive this is my testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm just 
This morning, hit.
Amen. You may be seated, please. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's thank our great God. What a great God we serve. He's so good to us. We want to thank those of you that are joining us online as well. So we have uh, our alive in person and as well as online. So God's been doing great things. And I just want to update you with a few things that we're going to be doing here. As we go into the fall, we are kicking off our Wednesday evenings. Wednesday night, yeah, let's thank God for that, isn't it? We're moving forward, moving forward. Wednesday night, September the 9th, will be our fall kickoff. And so on Wednesday night, we're going to open up our clubhouse kids. That's uh, kids up through fourth grade. We're going to start with them. And then our middle school will be open in the gymnasium. Our high school actually meets on Sunday nights, I, I believe 6 o'clock. Check the website to make sure of that, all right? But they, uh, they meet on Sunday night, but all the way up through middle school will be meeting on Wednesday night. We will, on September the 9th, we'll start with our men's Bible study. They will start, all right? And then the following week, on the 16th, the women's Bible study will start. So we are back in action. Isn't it great? Let's thank our great God. What a great God we serve. And uh, as we do this, I want to encourage you. I know many people are still watching online, and many people are are coming. So as we move through this season, and I I, I want to encourage you, if you're not comfortable, and I'm speaking to those of you online today, if you're not comfortable coming out yet, I want you to take your time and move at the pace that God directs you. And uh, we love you, and we're we're waiting, and uh, can't wait to see you again, but I know that God is leading you in certain ways, and so... Uh, as, the, as you feel comfortable, you return. I don't want anybody to feel bad for not returning yet. And uh, because, thank God we have this technology. Isn't it great? Uh, when, when our doors were completely closed, I'll tell you what, it was really weird for me to stand in here and see nobody. I mean, nobody. You know, I mean, sometimes I didn't even have a sound person at the back. There was a guy in the video room. It was just me and the video guy. And uh, it was just uh, really strange to do that. But yet we were still able to be in connection. Amen. And so God is good, and he's been blessing the church. I just, I just want to share with you a few things that God's been doing um, as we go into this fall kickoff here. That's Wednesday night. I realize that school is going back. Many have already started school. I think Peters Township started this past week. I, uh, I, I believe Bethel Park is starting online. So some schools are starting online. Some are going half and half. Um, Ringgold will start this Tuesday, September the 1st. We, uh, our church is in the Ringgold School District, and we'll be starting September the 1st. Um, and I was talking to some of the officials for Ringgold School District. They said about 60% of the kids have chosen to return to the classroom. 40% have chosen to do this at home. So I can only imagine the, 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 uh, the, the hard hard time of a teacher now to try and figure out half your class is home and this and that and just all kind of things that are happening so what we're going to do tonight, I want to invite you, we're going to be meeting down at the Ringgold Elementary School North at 6 o'clock. It's just down the road here, and we're going to have prayer. A few people in the community asked me, hey, could we gather and just pray? And I said, somebody is going to ask us to gather and pray? We're going to gather and pray. Like, that is a, a wonderful opportunity for us. So we're going to gather tonight, 6 o'clock down here. You can bring your kids or, or you can come by yourself. And if you want to come and just, uh, we're going to be outside. It'd be from 6 to 6.30, okay? Famous last words, right? My, my timings, right? But 6 to 6.30 is where, where, where our intention is. And by 6.30, you'll be on the way to the Dairy Queen. But we just want to pause and we want to give people a moment of peace 
and, and prayer because I know that we have in our church we have people from all different school districts there's uh, multiple districts with everybody's making different decisions and there's there's things that people are making decisions for homeschooling and and going into new schools and different schools and and I just want you to know we're praying for you so tonight we're going to be spending some time down there in prayer and uh, if you're nearby come on down and we will we will just pray praise the Lord tonight as we encourage people. So spread the word in our community. It's open to anybody. It's not just our church. It's open to anybody in our community, and we're just going to pray for them and lift them up before the Lord. And And I want to pray for all of our teachers. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of a number of our teachers today. I'm thinking of Veronica Byers over in Peters Township, Linda Deasing in Peters Township, Rachel Lent right here in, um, in Ringgold, who is part of our church family. Sherry Black, who's uh, in Ringgold, part of our church family. And there's, there's just a number of others of these folks. And I just want to be, be in prayer for these folks because the, there's, there's a lot of questions out there still, a lot, of, a lot of unknown and a lot of challenges for them as they begin this journey back into the school district. Um, and, and, uh, and so I'm just praying for all these areas tonight, uh, today as we move back into these schools. So let, let's just keep that in prayer. And uh, we're thanking God. What, what a great God. Any good? Like God's allowing us to move forward, and we're making progress. Uh, I want to thank you for your giving. You've been faithful in giving. I just want to share with you a few things that that, uh, that you've been, as you give, what's happening around the church. Uh, another thing is we're going to have a, a movie night out there. And uh, the movie night is going to be on September the 18th, I believe. We're going to show Mary Poppins. It's going to be on a Friday night. There's nothing else to do. You can't even go watch your own kid play football. This is crazy, right? So we're going to show Mary Poppins on our 30-foot screen out there, the new Mary Poppins. You know, I guess it's a year old new or something like that, but the, the newer Mary Poppins. And so that'll be a fun time out there, and it's a great community outreach. But as we've been giving, I want to share with you, these are the type of things we've been able to do, and we've been able to keep pushing and keep moving forward. One of the things that happened this summer was Pastor Al, uh, just a few weeks ago, was up here doing a morning routine, and, and he walked out, and there was somebody just sitting out on the front porch. And this young person was sitting there and said, I just kind of come up here every now and then because I need, need some peace, and this is a quiet, peaceful place. And we'd never met him before, and I guess he's been, comes up here at different times when nobody's around and Pastor Al was able to sit down with him and share with him how that he could know for sure that he has eternal life. And that day on our front porch, while nobody else is around, this young man trusted Jesus as his Savior. Can we thank God for that, folks? This is, this is what God is doing. We've had so many people online have, have trusted Christ as their Savior. God is bringing people unto himself. He's doing a new work. And as we continue to give, I want to also update you on the, on the uh, gymnasium project. We're gonna, they've already ordered the HVAC system. You know, that building over there was built like in 1977 or something like that, maybe 80 at the, at the latest. And we really haven't done a whole lot to that thing. Uh, everything else has been kept up, renovated multiple times, and we still have the same orange floor that they put in when I was in fifth grade, folks, all right? So we are, we have well used that, and now we're going to put an HVAC system in there, and we'll have heat and air conditioning. Can you imagine that, folks? Actual air conditioning, yeah, it's going to happen, all right? They're going to take the outside of the building, they're going to transform the outside of it. It's not going to look like uh, 
like it does now. All right, it's going to look beautiful, and it's not going to look like this rundown place. And we were opening this up for our community, multiple uses. You know, right now we've got people coming in. Uh, there's a fellow here this morning. He's been bringing kids up to play basketball. And so Max, one of our guys, has been playing basketball with teenagers over there, and we're just starting to use this, and we're starting to open it up, and our our Canopy Kids is going to use it on Wednesday night. Our middle school uses it, and so the place gets a real workout, and we we do multiple things in there. We like to use it for mops and for many other ministries. So as we go down there, and we're, we're starting that project here, you're going to see some movement happening, and that's going to be pretty exciting in the next few weeks. But if you'd like to give to that, designate your gift, uh, Gymnasium Renovation. You can do that online. You can do that in the box on the wall in the back, or you can give through the mail. So we're so thankful. You know, the Apostle Paul said, see that you excel in the grace of giving. And church, you have been excelling in the grace of giving, and I want to say thank you. Can we thank our great God this morning? He's worthy of all of our praise. Let me just pray with you this morning. Father God, we come before you, and we thank you. You have been so good to us. You have uh, moved mightily. People are coming to you. We're seeing people's lives changed. People are transformed by the power of God Almighty. And Lord, I pray that as, uh, as we go into this journey of opening schools and, and people with their uncertainties and their fears, and, and Lord, many of these are legitimate concerns. God, I pray you'll keep our children safe. I pray you'll keep the teachers safe, the administration, Lord. Uh, God, uh, we just ask that as, as we walk this journey together over the next few weeks, Lord, we, we know it's going to be up, it's going to be down. Lord, there likely will be people getting sick, and this is going to be all over the map. But, God, we ask for your grace, for your mercy, and we ask for your protection, Lord, because you are the great God of the universe. In your precious name we pray. Amen.
We praise you in this place. We love you. We sing your praise because you've given us a hope and a future, Lord. Soften our hearts as we hear your word. Everybody said, Amen.
Great day so far. Just so thankful to God. Aren't you thankful we've had 60 sunny days in a row? Wasn't that incredible, man? Summer has been awesome. And, uh, you know, normally that's like three years worth of sunshine for Pittsburgh. It's just been awesome, right? We've been facing our giants this summer. As we look at facing our giants, we're looking right at how do we deal with some of the problems of life. How do we deal with the challenges? And there, there's a lot of challenges, aren't there? And there's a lot of things that trip us up. And uh, last week, we looked at heavily at the, the giant of fear. And, you know, the, the giant of fear is a very real giant. I talked to a lady last night. She said that, uh, that she listened last week, and she said that she never thought that she was facing fear. And, and when she was sitting there and going through the message, she said, wow, I, I just didn't think that I had fear. And then she went home, and she's thinking of fear, and she's like, wow, I do have fear. And it was masked, and she was, she was covering it, and, so, and, and just really running away from that giant of fear. And so uh, being able to look at some of these things and being able to deal with them, it, it will be absolute season of growth in your life. We've been looking at the story of David and Goliath, and we've looking at, as we look at there, we've, we've seen so many lessons. Pastor Jim kicked us off with telling us the overview of the, of the life of David and, and, and the story of David and Goliath, and, uh, and we've just been hanging in there in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 17 all for the last three, four weeks here. But I, I just want to take us today and look at another giant, and as I do look at this next giant, I want to show you this picture here. Because this picture here says a lot. That, my friends, is, is, does anybody recognize that? Does anybody, all right, a few of you recognize that. That, my friends, is a 1976 Evil Knievel bicycle, okay? Does anybody, did anybody have an Evil Knievel bicycle? Man, I am the Lone Ranger, I'll tell you what. I had one of these bikes, and I'll never forget it because my parents got it for us for Christmas. Me and my brother, we were 11 months apart, and I got an evil Knievel bike. Like, if you had an evil Knievel bike, you were something. I mean, look at the size of that seat. You would die for a seat that big today, wouldn't you? If you know what I'm saying, you know, just much more comfort ride. Look at that gas tank that we had on there, man, that plastic gas tank. I was trying to look to see if I could buy another one of these today, and it says decals only. Like for $300, you can buy the decals only. I'm like, what good is the decals going to do you, right? But uh, my brother and I, we would ride these, and we had these Evil Knievel bikes, and we would ride them. And, uh, and, you know, Evil Knievel, does, uh, if you don't know who Evil Knievel was, Evil Knievel was this motorcycle, uh, uh, he would do all these stunts, all right? He was a stunt rider, and so he would ride at this motorcycle, and he would jump, and it set up a jump, he'd jump over 10 cars. Next time, he'd jump over 15 cars, and he kept going and going, and he'd jump through hoops of fire. I mean, it was just incredible what he would do, and, and man, you know, when I was a kid, you'd watch Evil Knievel, you're like, wow, you know, this dude was something else, and and all those fun days. So when we had the Evil Knievel bikes, and, and, and I'll tell you what, if you go find Phil Allen, he still talks about my Evil Knievel bike here. I just want you to know that. So Sammy, ask your dad about the Evil Knievel bike, all right? He'll, he'll tell you about it. I mean, we had this chain that would lock it up. I mean, this big, thick, heavy chain from the hardware store so nobody would steal our Evil Knievel bikes down in Dormont, right? And so, uh, I mean, these were, these were awesome. And so we would go out, and, and they would have these jumps. And so we would make our own jumps. And that was kind of a thing back then. I don't know if kids do that today. 
Maybe they jump online. I don't know. But, not, not, you know, it's like we, there was nothing else to do. So we went out. We put a, put a uh, uh, you'd take a plank or you'd take a piece of wood and you'd put it on, the, uh, put on, a, on a cinder block, right? And so what you'd do and you'd jump off one. Then you'd go up another one then go up another one. And, and, and the tougher you were, the more like evil Knievel you were, right? So in my neighborhood, there was a lot of guys who thought they were evil Knievel. And the only problem was I had the evil Knievel bike but I didn't have the uh, ability to ride like Evil Knievel. If you know what I'm saying here, right? I was just not this daredevil. I was not the Evil Knievel daredevil. So what happened is, is uh, they, they would challenge you. And we'd go into the neighborhood and you'd be challenged. Should I ride? You know, you're going to go up higher. Come on, you're a sissy. You're a wimp and all that stuff that would go on. And it was the beginning of this performance base that you could see in your life. If I, if I went off the highest jump, I'd be the hero of the neighborhood. Everybody would like me. I'd be known as the, the, the tough guy. I'd be the evil Knievel of Dormont, right? So, uh, so we would do that. And I'll never forget, I, you know, I got maybe two feet, you know, and, and I would jump and I would have fun. But I was no evil Knievel rider. My brother, one time, we were going down these jumps. And, you know, you come down the alley, and the faster that you come down the alley, you'd hit the, you'd hit the ramp and you'd go flying. There was this one day, there was a tree there, and I'll never forget this big, this root from the tree stuck out of the hillside because we kept going up and down this little hillside. And we'd go up, and when you hit that root, you'd go flying. Well, the faster you came, the higher you went. And I'll never forget, my brother, he came flying down there. He goes up in the air. The bike goes one direction. He goes the other direction. He's knocked out cold. I'll never forget it. I, I don't know how we kept it from my mom for as long as we did, like four hours, right? Uh, you know, it, it was just like, wow, we, we, you know, th- this was a big deal. But this was the beginning of dealing with this performance base. And I can look back as a child and I say, look, look at how in our society, this, I, if I perform, I'm accepted. We see it all over the place. Um, I, I love to play baseball. I mean, baseball, I love to watch it still. Next year we'll watch it, all right? Now, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird to watch it without fans. But, you know, next, week, next year we'll get back to that. But you know, as, as you're watching baseball, I, I loved baseball. And as a kid, I remember going down to play Little League, and, uh, and, and they had these rules. There was rules that if a, if, if a kid was on your team, he had to play a minimum of two innings. And I hit the minimum every game and nothing more. The coach said, you can sit right here, Ken. And I did. I sat right there, and I would clean the bench while everybody else played. And, and, you know, and and as soon as it got tight, man, I'm coming out of there. But if we were way ahead, I got to play three innings that day, you know. And and so it was just like you you got to get in the game. and, and, And I'll never forget because, man, I just wanted to play. And the coach, he just wanted to win. And there were two different things that were happening. And, and so what I, as a child, I said, oh, man, if I'm not good enough. I won't make the grade. And then you start to see, man, there's this thing called rejection that comes along with that. So you have performance. I didn't perform. Then you ha- have rejection. And so today we're dealing with this across the world. It is, it is in all areas of our life today people get rejected. Let me show you one, and this will bring a good memory for you here. How do you like that? Most of you know what that is, right? It's the like button on Facebook. Put up your dinner of organic broccoli. <laughs> and I didn't get enough likes. You know, it, it, it's amazing what happens. And, and it's in us. Like, we put something up and we'll go back and we'll check. And like, what do you mean? I only got five likes. Well, those people didn't matter anyhow. 
And see, this is what happens. And people get upset, and people start to lose their mind. And then, then, then you start saying, well, you know what? I got this many likes, and when my friend put that up, they got more likes than I got. Now, how can this happen? How can they get more likes than I got? And we start losing our mind over, did I get accepted? What did people say about me? And we start to go in this, and we start to think about what are other people saying about me? How, how am I being accepted? And there's two things that come into play here, all right? You can, you can respond to this by simply having an inferior complex, okay? You can go down, and you can say the poor me syndrome. And I think many people do that. They come along, and they say, there's a, uh, it's poor me, and I, and I go into inferiority. I deal with insecurity. I deal with low self-worth. Even some people self-hate because somebody else did not approve of me. Because my performance did not meet their grading scale. Because what I have done, somebody else has rejected. And so we have to deal with rejection. The other side of this fence, the other way that rejection comes out uh, whenever people are dealing with rejection is that they become an overachiever. They'll go to the other extreme. So one, one guy becomes, woe is me, can hardly function. I, I, I'm no good. I'm just down and depressed. The other guy says, well, I'm going to show you. I'll be the best evil Knievel jumper that ever was. I'll become the best baseball player. Winning, I will win at all costs, and I will overachieve. And, folks, there's nothing wrong with, with, the, with the achieving. It's the motivation for the achieving. Like, like, I've been around many people who have told me throughout their life, I finally think I might have made my dad happy. They're 50 years old, 60 years old. Man, my dad would finally be happy with me. I could never make my dad happy whenever I was a kid. When, you know, my dad always wanted me to get straight A's, and I was a C student. And, 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 and the list goes on and on and on, and they felt rejected by a parent, felt rejected by a school teacher, felt rejected by a friend or a relationship. Um, if you have ever been around and you've heard of people talk about a broken relationship, they were into a relationship and the relationship failed. Well, because that relationship failed doesn't mean that you can't have future relationships. And so what happens is we, we face failure, but you are not a failure. And so because we face failure, we have got to understand your approval rating does not come from the people that you can see. When you're looking at the other people, you know, what, 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 what the people around you are telling you, that is not your approval system. Our approval system must come from God. And this is the very thing that Satan has gone after for years. He goes after us, and if you go into Genesis chapter 3... You'll see this because we all face this battle of rejection. We all face the performance trap. It's easy if I perform that somebody likes me. Uh, you know, over in the, the prodigal son, the prodigal son in, in the scripture, the prodigal son had all kind of money, and he went out and he spent all his money wildly, and then when he was done with his money, everybody left him. He's by himself. And what happened was he was able to deal with and, and have fun, and he was able to be accepted as long as he had money. And when his money ran out, he was no longer accepted. And as you read through the story, you see that it's all about God's acceptance. And the prodigal son, even though he went wayward, he was seeking acceptance from everybody else but God. When he comes running home and the father accepts him, we see this powerful story of the acceptance of God. 
Go back to Genesis chapter 3 here, verse 1. This is the very first in the Garden of Eden. Since the beginning of time, we have dealt with this. This is where rejection has came from. And it comes from Satan, and he has tempted us with this issue of being inferior. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So, so Satan comes on in the form of a serpent. He comes up to the woman, uh, uh, to Eve, and he says, Did God really say you cannot eat of all, of all these trees in the garden? So Satan takes a basic truth and he twists it. He says, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Is that what he said? So, no, that's not what he said. But look how, how Eve responds. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. So she corrects him. We can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, even Eve, she sets him straight, and she comes back, and she says, it's just one tree. And, and, and she adds this part about you shall not touch it. God didn't necessarily say you shall not touch it. He said you shall not eat it. And obviously, if you're not supposed to eat it, I would recommend you not touching it, right? So he says, uh, he says you shall not eat of this tree that is in the middle of the garden lest you die. Now, look what happens here. Satan is very, very wise, and he comes in, and he hits us right where we um, are weakest. Look what he says. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Satan, folks, will always challenge God's truth. He will always challenge his truth in your life. And so the truth was that God keeps his promises. God ends up having to follow through. And, then, and, and the scripture says the soul that sins, it must die. So he sends Jesus to take care of that problem that you and I have. He says, surely you will not die. Satan continues, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will become like God. And so what does she do? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. You see, Satan came and said, you'll be like God if you do this. In other words, if you don't, you're going to be inferior. You're going to have missed and you're missing out. She took of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate it. In that day, Adam and Eve together, by the way, it wasn't Eve that did it, it wasn't Adam that did it, they both did it together. And they were full blast into this, she took of the fruit, and her husband took of the fruit, and that was the beginning of the sin problem that we have to this day. But I want you to catch this because it's so powerful what has happened here. He has come at the inferior weakness. He says, listen, you are going to be inferior if you don't eat this fruit. You will become like God if you eat this fruit. Now, check this out. What did God already say? Go back two chapters into Genesis chapter 1. 
God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. By the way, that's the first sign we see of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us, three of us, make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish. So they're already like God. God created them. He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over the, uh, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, he continues, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Folks, you have been created in the image of God. You have been created in the likeness of God. And you know, whenever I look in the mirror in the morning, I don't often think that, do you? Quite often I look in the mirror and I say, whoa, I don't want to look there again. Quite often I look there and I say, well, there's, a, there's this and there's that problem and there's all these things. And I see a broken down, I see a fallen state. But God, when he looks at you, he says, I made you in my image. God created you in the image of God. I am created in the image of God. Would you say that? I am created in the image of God. Say that again. I am created in the image of God. Folks, you are a reflection of God. What? I don't get that. I, all I see is my problems, and I see this failures, and I... Listen, I've been created in the image and the likeness of God. You have been created in the image and the likeness of God. This is foundation to all future growth in your life. If we don't catch this, folks, you have already been accepted by God. He loves you. He made you the way that you are. You are are his child. He understands what you look like, what you act like. He understands he loves you. He loves you with your shortcomings. He loves you with your sin. He provided a way of escape for your sin. You died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He rose again that you might have eternal life. And he did this so that you can simple, childlike faith, trust him, and slowly become restored back to that image that he made of you. You're his child. You're his reflection. And so today I want to encourage you to understand this. The struggle for identity is still going on. Our world is trying to make their identity based upon their actions. And God says that's not your identity. Your identity is who I made you to be. I made you to be my child. And as the child of God, we've got to realize that in the world we live in, it's easy to listen to the other voices, isn't it? It's easy to listen to what other people say about me and even what I say about me. I want to encourage you with this. God loves you more than you can imagine. God loves you more than you love yourself. Read that with me. God loves you more than you love yourself. Most people love themselves pretty good. You took a shower this morning. You brushed your teeth. A few of us combed our hair. I want to encourage you. You care for yourself. You love yourself. God loves you more than you love yourself. You know, when you think about the people who love you in your life, you think about your family and you think about your wife and your kids and and, and you, you think, wow, you know, th- these are the people that I'm closest to. These are the people that love me the most. God says, I love you way more than, than they even have the ability to love you. 
We live in a world that's corrupted by a sense of inferiority. We deal with this inferiority. So I, I have failed. It's okay. It's okay that you failed. You're not a failure because you failed. And I think many people go back there and they, 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 they take Satan's lies and they fall under, un, into the trap of Satan that, you know, because I've done this, that, that I, therefore I'm inferior. It's the same trick that Satan has done since the beginning of temptations. He says, listen, if you don't do this, you'll be inferior. And today we hear this, this is the peer pressure that is upon us today, isn't it? We see this pressure upon teenagers, upon children, upon adults. Everybody's got some sort of pressure that I have to be liked, that that, that what I do, that my performance must be valued by the people around me. And listen, it's great when that happens, but that doesn't always happen from the people around you. You've got to come to God and realize that, first of all, I have been accepted by God. Do you realize, folks, this is... One of the foundational problems in our world and in our society today. I want you to think of some of the, the things you're hearing out there today. You're hearing, you don't like me. I hear this a lot. I, I hear one side says, you don't like me. You've rejected me. And I can hear it screaming loud and clear out there. And folks, the answer, and the, the other side screams it back. You don't like me. You've rejected me. And, and we live in the world that, that says that there's so much rejection. And, and if we're not all the same, we're rejecting each other. And as we come down to this, I want you to catch this, that I don't have to be liked by you. You don't have to be liked by anybody. You have already been liked by God. You have been made in the image and in the likeness of God. Can we thank God for that this morning, folks? Yes, He is a great God. You you, you have been accepted with your shortcomings, with your failures. Now, let me say this. God loves you too much to let you stay in your sin. There are things that God says in his word that are clearly sin. He loves you too much to let you stay in your sin, to let you continue this corruption of your heart and your soul and to, to, to watch you be in, in, in devastation all the time. And so many times when we get into those sins, those sins, we become comfortable with them, and we think that that makes us comfortable. We think it's what we need, and we think we feel and God says, there's a way that seems right unto a man. The end leads to destruction. And God says, I love you too much to let you stay there. So Jesus comes, he dies on the cross, and he takes care of it for you. We live in the world that is dealing with an inferior complex today. And I want to encourage you, let's come back to, to who God is. If we, can, if we can start to understand that I have been accepted by God. You have been accepted by God. He, that, all you have to do is open your heart and say, Jesus, you died for me. You paid for my sin. I'm trusting you right now. And you're able to receive his acceptance right there. And that, this is the game changer. See, once I've been accepted by God, once I understand my acceptance, now I can accept you. I can accept somebody who's different than I am. I don't have to agree with everything, but I can love them and care for them and accept them. Why? Because I've been accepted by the God of the universe. Because that person I disagree with over there, guess what? They've been made in the image and the likeness of God too. And I, I don't have to agree with them, and I don't have to deal with all their sin. That's between them and God. But as a, as a, as a neighbor, as a family member on earth here, I can say, look, I love and I can lo- care, and we can 
uh, accept each other. This is the fundamental problem in our world today. We have not had acceptance by God. They don't understand that, there is, uh, that they're missing out on the acceptance by God. And what that does, the ripple effect that being accepted by God has upon your entire life. 1 Samuel chapter 16 uh, this is the chapter before David and Goliath. So we're looking at first chapter, first Samuel 16, verse 1. And we're going to check this out here because it's just a, a rewind step before he ends up going to fight Goliath. The Lord said to Samuel, Samuel was a prophet. And just a little backstory here. Israel had always wanted a king. They never had a king. And uh, uh, we looked this summer about with Gideon and a couple of the other judges, all right? So there was the, uh, a history of the time of the judges and then God says, okay, I'm going to give you a king. And so he gets the prophet Samuel, and Samuel goes over, and he anoints Saul to be the king. And so Saul starts, and Saul really isn't a very good king. Saul's character has gone awry. And now the Lord says, you have mourned, Samuel. You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. He says, I have, uh, uh, it is time, we're going to have to put in a new king. He is not honoring me. He has walked away from his character of loving God. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. So Samuel has to go deal with this. Saul is the king, but Samuel's going to anoint the next king. The next verse here. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Now, now, folks, I want you to catch this because sometimes God puts us in positions where you're nervous. And you're like, if I do this right thing over here, there's going to be a consequence. And quite often there is. But Samuel says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, and God says, well, take a heifer with you and say that, say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. So he brings them back to worship. And, folks, this is a key principle here. When there's problems in your life, come to worship God. Keep coming back. Like we're to worship God when it's good. We continue to worship him when it's bad. Continue on here. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So he comes there, and Samuel says, Samuel did as the Lord had instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes. Yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. So Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to sacrifice. So before they could do the worship act, they were to, uh, to sacrifice. But he says, yes, I've come to, to sacrifice to the Lord. So they went and they purified himself before they did the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab. This is the oldest son. He says, surely this is the Lord's anointed one. Surely this is what God's doing. Uh, man, I'm looking at this guy. Strong, healthy. Everything looks good. But look what God says. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height. For I have rejected him. In other words, he's saying... This isn't the one. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Man looks and says, wow, he looks good. He looks great. But God looks 
on the heart. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you and I see them. God does not see things the way that you see things. Would you read that with me? God does not see things the way that you see things. Like you look at somebody and, and you, you have your take on it, and God says, I have a different take on it. I'm looking, and, and I'm looking beyond, and, and I'm, I'm looking to the heart. So, so yeah, Saul, Saul did crazy, but obviously God works with crazy people, doesn't he? He really does. Working with me, working with you. He, he, he worked with David even. David ends up having a great sin. But he, God was looking beyond the sin. He was looking to the heart. He says, God does not see things the way that you and I see them. I, I want you to think about this because David was rejected. Like right away, Samuel's not even thinking about David. He's going to, the, going to somebody else. Look, look here as we continue on here. Um, Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one that the Lord has chosen. So he's son number two. That's not the one. Okay, continue on. Jesse summoned Shemiah, uh, but Samuel said, neither is this one of the Lord's that he has chosen. Continues on. Uh, In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Goes through seven sons. Wait a minute. God told me to come over. I'm going to pick one of your sons. You brought all your sons out. And Jesse's saying, what? You didn't pick all these sons. Look Look what happens next. The Samuel asked, are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. In other words, we didn't even bother to bring him in for this exercise. He's just young. He's out in the field watching the sheep like we're up to the important stuff. He's out with the sheep. He's out in the fields watching the sheep. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down and eat until he arrives. Continuing on, verse 12. So Jesse sent for him. He was ruddy and handsome with beautiful eyes, and the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. This kid was overlooked because he was young, because he was little. Uh, listen, he's ruddy face. That means he's just, he's just like the kid with the little rosy cheeks out in the field. Uh, he, he hasn't had all the, the wrinkles and the scars of manhood yet. He, he hasn't faced any tough battles yet. Uh, this, this, is, this is the one, anoint him. And it's like, what do you mean this is the one, anoint him? Uh, he was rejected by Jesse. He was rejected by Samuel. Samuel's like not thinking this. Samuel's going after the other ones that, that look good. God doesn't see it the way that you and I see it. I want you to think about this because the, the guy that they were overlooking went on, David, goes on, and later we find that there are 66 chapters in the Old Testament devoted to the history of David. That's more than any other Bible character outside of Jesus. 66 chapters, and, 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 there's, and Jesse's dad goes, oh, I got this other kid out in the field. Surely that's not the one you want. He was rejected by his own dad. He's rejected by his brothers. He's rejected by Saul. When he goes out to fight, he's rejected by Saul. And Saul's like, what? This kid with a ruddy face, with a, he, has no, he has no battle scars yet. You, nah. He's rejected by the giant. The giant says, am I a dog that you would send this kid to me? David goes on. His name is mentioned 59 times in the New Testament alone. 59 times. 
He would go on to establish the most famous city in the world, Jerusalem. The Son of God, Jesus, would be called the Son of David. He came through the lineage of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came through the lineage of David. Some of the greatest psalms in the Bible were written at the pen of David. And so here was a guy that was going to be overlooked. The Lord sees you differently than other people see you. So what do I do about this? How do I handle this? I've been rejected. And what happens is I start to hear the voices of other people. I start to hear other people that are speaking into me, and, and they're so loud and they're so clear because, because I can see them, I can hear them, I can look at their disappointment, and, and man, I, I just want to make them happy. God says, you don't have to make them happy. You have to make him happy. And he's already happy because he died on the cross and he paid for your sin. I, I went through a very severe time with this, and, and I shared this with you last week, and today I have some tools to help you. Um, what you do is you, you take, take the verses of God's Word, and, and I have, uh, there's two sets out there. I have one, it says peace and anxiety, how to handle times of peace and anxiety, and these are verses, and I want to encourage you to commit them to memory. This is what I did. I, I, back in the day, I would actually take it on a, uh, a piece of paper, and, uh, and I would put the piece of paper in and out of my pocket. It was a three-by-five card. And I would just open that up, and I would write them down. Let, let me show you some of the verses that I have committed to memory. This is from Psalm chapter 139. Actually, we're going to jump over to Psalm 139 there, two verses ahead. Maybe three or four, I don't know. I'm jumping a little bit here. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Like, like, catch this. Now, when you start to, when you pull this out, somebody's rejected you. Okay, God, you form me in my inward parts. When my, in, when I, when my mom, I was in my mom's womb, you did that. You know, you ever hear somebody say that was the oopsie baby? Uh, this was the one we weren't expecting. This is, this was the accident. There's no accidents. God didn't have an accident that you had another baby. God had a plan that you had a baby. And, 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 and that baby was formed in your inward parts. And you say, but how could this be? I'm too old to have a kid or I'm too young to have a kid. And you go through all this. Now, wait a minute. You, God says that that child was formed. And so if that's you, you grew up and your, your mom said, yeah, this was my last kid. They were the surprise. There's no surprise to God. You might surprise your mom. <laughs> But it wasn't a surprise to God. And he says that you form me in my inward parts. And so, so when you start to understand it, and so if you've heard a message like this since you were little, uh, you were the accident, you were the surprise. No, no, you were no accident, you were no surprise. God says you were formed. And so I begin to understand this is, you, you see where I'm going here? And then he continues on, the very next verse here. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows well. And so I would pull this out. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. My soul knows very well. And so what I did was I committed that to memory. And when I, what I did was I'd have that on that paper and I'd pull it out. I'd pull it out. I'd pull it out. And listen, I'd pull it out three, four, five times a day. And eventually it became part of my memory. And to this day, if I feel that I've been rejected by anybody, what does God speak to me? I will praise you, 
for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I've been made by God. I have been made by God, and God don't make no junk. Say that with me. I have been made by God, and God don't make no junk. Didn't make English professor out of me either, did he? <laughs> Let's try that again. I have been made my God, and God don't make no junk. Listen, just because I didn't make the ball team, what's that? And what if I did make the ball team? I, I had all kind of teams that I was rejected on. I had other teams that I was accepted on. I had things that I excelled at and things that I didn't excel at. And what's that have to say? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God made this guy with a purpose and a plan, and God made each one of you with a purpose and a plan. And he says, he says that you must praise him because he did not make you a piece of junk. I had a brother who was 30 years old. He, he lived to be 30 years old, and I've shared this with you before. He's, he's never walked, never talked, never spoke a word. He died at just about 30 years old. And I remember having question on top of question growing up as a child and saying, God, why did you let him be like that? And I'd go over and I'd realize that, listen, he was fearfully and wonderfully made. But his brain didn't work like mine worked. His legs didn't work like mine worked. And, and he was, wait a minute, he was fearfully and wonderfully made? Like, God, how could that be? And I began to realize that, like, God had a plan for his life and he fulfilled it. And he, he glorified God. He is fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows well. So therefore, when I see people that are different than me, they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord, they are so different than I am. I will praise you for their difference. I will praise you because of you created them. Now, I'm not going to praise God for anybody's sin, not mine or anybody else's sin, but I'm going to praise God that they are fearfully and wonderfully made because God didn't make no junk. Continues on, verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. God says, I've got your life. I know how many days you're going to be on planet Earth. Relax. <sighs> COVID crisis. Crazy times in our world. The Lord knows how long Ken Barner is going to be on this earth. Relax. The Lord knows how long you're going to be here. Relax. Doesn't matter what's going to take me out. Now, we be cautious. We, we be good stewards of the bodies that God's given us. We take precaution, do all that good stuff, but at the end of the day, that struggle's not for me. That struggle's for God, Amen. And I want to encourage you, the way that we do this is to set the Lord before us. That's, so I believe it's uh, Proverbs 16, 8 there. I have set the Lord before me. And so what, how do you set him before you? You take it and you, and you set him before you. And, you. and you open this up and you, and you keep reading it. You keep reading it. You keep reading it. keep reading it. And pretty soon you start to listen to the voice of God. And you start to listen to his word rather than the words of everybody around you. Because you know what? Those kids that I rode the bikes with and who mocked me for not being evil Knievel. I only follow where one of them is today. 
So what if they approved of me? So what? God has approved of me, and God has approved of you. And so I want to encourage you, on the way out the door, on the table in the back, there are, there's, a, there's ones that say identity in Christ, and there's other ones that say peace and anxiety. And I want to encourage you to take these and just start to memorize them. And on the back, there's a question that will jar you to help you to memorize it. And on the front, there's a, there's a verse. And I think each one has eight or nine verses. And I want to encourage you to take these and begin the journey uh, uh, to memorize God's word, to hide it in your heart so that you will not fall prey to the temptation of inferiority because it's just not true. God died for you. Look at this, Ephesians, I'm going to wrap up with this verse. Ephesians says this. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. You have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He rose again. You just got to trust him. You have been given forgiveness of sins when he did that and when you trusted him. And he has lavished on us his love. God has lavished his love on you. So, how does that impact this world that you're living in? There's an old song that we used to sing years ago. I used to sing this over and over and over. I remember singing it with tears flowing down my face. And I'm just going to read you the words. I am redeemed, bought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. If anybody asks you just who I am, tell them, I am redeemed. You have been redeemed. Read it with me. I am redeemed, bought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. If anybody asks you just who I am, tell them, I am redeemed. That's your answer when you face rejection. Let's close in prayer. If that's you, you say, Pastor Ken, I'm ready to trust Jesus. Would you open your heart today and trust him? Would you call upon him? Just pray something like this. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I have fallen short. I have failed. I've sinned before an almighty God. But Jesus, you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back, to get, came back again to life for me. And I'm giving you my heart right here, right now. I'm trusting you, dear Lord. And for others, today, I want you to understand that you have been, uh, you have been taken unto the arms of the Lord. He has accepted you completely. Dear God, we come before you, and we thank you. Thank you for those that have just prayed to receive you. Thank you for others in here, Lord, and online that are opening their hearts and realizing how much they have been loved and accepted by you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. We're so glad that you could be here. Aren't you happy to be here today, folks? God is good, all right? Thanks for joining us online. Uh, if you're around tonight, come on down for our, our time of prayer down at Ringgold Elementary North. 
And I'd like to encourage you, please stop by and get those, uh, the verses. They're on the table in the foyer. If you're online, please email us and we will send them to you. God bless and have a great day. Let this dark room in silence fuel imagination. Tonight the stars shine bright and spell my name.